every single marketer and every single brand should be attempting to earn a disproportionate share of conversation. If you work for an organization where they say, bring us a chart that goes up and to the right, you have a challenge. Half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. The trouble is, I don't know which half. I am here to inspire you, to excite you, to motivate you, to transform you, to energize you. Hello and welcome to Demand Gen Visionaries. This episode features an interview with Joy Corso. Joy is the CMO of Vonage, a global leader in cloud communications that helps businesses accelerate their digital transformation. Joy has more than 25 years of leadership experience in marketing and communications roles across multiple industries. In 2020, she was recognized as one of the top 50 most powerful women in tech. Prior to joining Vonage, Joy was Senior Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer at VirtuStream, and earlier she held senior roles in top-tier companies including Advanced Micro Devices, Raytheon, Fidelity Investments, and Iron Mountain. On this episode, Joy uncovers why she likens her digital demand gen folks to brilliant mad scientists and unpacks why marketers' greatest competition is their customers' last great experience, and much more. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Qualified.com. If you are a B2B marketer who has always dreamed of knowing when a qualified prospect is on your site and being able to talk to them instantly, now you can. Learn more at Qualified.com. So please enjoy this interview between Joy Corso, CMO of Vonage, and your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Demand Gen Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios, and today I am joined by a very special guest, Joy, how are you? I'm great, Ian. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Excited to have you on the show. Excited to chat Vonage uh, and, uh, and everything Demand Gen and marketing that you're looking at right now. So let's get into it. How'd you get started in Demand? You know, I think any job, any marketing job has an element of it. And I started out, I'm going to date myself here, 20, 20 years ago. You know, I think my, my first marketing gig was with a subsidiary of a large telecom carrier named Orange probably know about it in the UK and uh, many, many global company, uh, countries. And we're a small uh, voice solution, kind of like a Siri, but 20 years ago, right? And demand gen back then, I mean, you're talking old school, right? You didn't have the luxury of all these digital channels and communications and that sort of stuff. It was really uh, the brass tacks of marketing. It was uh, sending things through the mail, interestingly, which is coming back around again, right? With, uh, with, with the pandemic, et cetera. And, you know, I remember lead trading, you'd sit in groups and trade leads, uh, and you'd have outbound telemarketing. I mean, we're talking old schoolian, right? Um, but that was what demand gen was, right? And going to events and that sort of stuff, you know, 20 plus years ago. So that's where you put your toe in the water. And then when you look back to today, it's such a phenomenally complex and rich landscape, you know, now 20 years later. That's amazing. An amazing place uh, for that rich landscape is Vonage, where you are now. You know, I'm sure, you know, our listeners have heard of Vonage. Can you tell us what it means to be CMO and what the company is up to right now? Yeah, you know, I think when folks think of Vonage, certainly when I did, I've been here just over a year, you think of the uh, the very edgy breakthrough residential phone service, you know, from uh, tw- actually our 20th anniversary this year for Vonage. But that was back in the day, right? It was really edgy the orange logo. And about five years ago, which is still a great business, but about five years ago, the company pivoted. 
you know, you could see where the market was going to go and really pivoted to a global business cloud communications company. And it's a beautiful natural extension uh, to the business landscape. What that really means is the company is all about accelerating the world's ability uh, to connect. And what that means very simply is, you know, it's really three groups of portfolio products in one platform, unified communications, a video platform that you talk to with your employees internally, contact centers. Everybody knows we've called them all the time, right? But how to make those far more intelligent for people. And then lastly, which is really, really interesting part of the business, communications APIs. So when you're tracking your rideshare driver, that's a communications API. When you call in for telemedicine, right? That video that you're using is could be very well be a Vonage API. Uh, when you're tracking your pizza delivery person, uh, when you call a contact center and they know who's calling, when you have authentication, you receive an SMS, is this really you? All those APIs, video, voice, authentication. Um, again, if you think about that huge portfolio, Ian, it's all about connectivity, right? Uh, communications and experience, right? So all three of those areas are really what we, we think about ourselves as business communications, accelerating the world's ability to connect. And you're working on a ton of really cool marketing stuff with Vonage having over 100,000 uh, businesses that choose Vonage worldwide. You're talking about, as you mentioned, you know, 25 billion minutes and messages. The scope and scale of what you're working on is vast, but also the, the scope and scale of the marketing that you're working on. Um, so let's get into it. Let's get into our first segment, the Trust Tree. With the knowledge you've been given, you are now on the inside of what I like to call the circle of trust. What, I thought we were in the trust tree with, in the nest, are we not? A place where we can go and feel honest and trusted, and you can share those deepest, darkest demand gen secrets. Starting off, what is your demand gen strategy? You know, if I could summarize it in 30 minutes, that would be a luxury. I could spend all day talking about the demand gen strategy because, and, and here's the reason, and I'll talk about some of it, because the complexity of the portfolio is your complexity of your audience, right? That reflects the complexity of the audience. And we all know as, as marketers in general and demand gen marketers, it's about meeting the customer where they are. Right. And because we have customers from our micro business, the one, two size businesses, all the way up to enterprises with 10, 20, 30, 40,000 uh, employees and more meeting them, it's pretty complicated. So for us, I think our overarching strategy is really about I'm a big fan of targeting. I'm not a big fan of just casting a wide net and see what you grab. Every company's done that in the past. So when I look at the strategy, it's a little bit different candidly for depending on the cohort, depending on the business, depending on the product of how we're going to attack that. But it usually, I will say, it's a heavy mix of digital strategies, right? The world has gone digital in 2020. Uh, we were already there, which is great. And by nature of our products, remote working is natural for us. So that is a, a huge lever for us. But I also think when you look at strategies, because you think of demand gen as top of funnel, but it really is the holistic journey. So when you see folks like us and many others going back, as I mentioned earlier, in old school, sending something to somebody's house, right? Now, it's no longer an envelope. It's a whole experience. People are having wine tastings, right? People are having celebrities on their calls, you know, really small, intimate sort of things. That is all part of demand gen, right? All of those things when you didn't have events to go to. So for us, it really is, I think it's a digital first strategy. I think that's very fair to say. And then we look at what those components are. And I liken my demand gen digital folks to, to sort of a mad scientist, 
because there are so many levers to pull in a little bit of this or a little bit of that or add a little bit of this or take this away and you find that beautiful formula. It is a complicated world of digital demand gen. So for us, it's all about meet the customer where they are, make it a great experience every time, make it a Vonage experience. You know, my greatest thing, whether it be brand or demand gen or field marketing, for me, it's not demand gens in a box, right? It should all extend. Your brand's giving lift to demand gen. Your field work is giving lift to demand gen. Your PR is giving lift to demand gen. So it's, it's multi-layer, multiple touch point, but definitely digital first. And so who are you selling to? What are, what are the personas? You mentioned big companies and small companies, but what do those companies look like? Who's the buying committee? Yeah, uh, certainly for the enterprise, you're looking at anybody from a CIO, a VP of developers. Developers is a very, very big community for us, particularly on the APIs. They take those APIs and then build on them, right? So those are the geniuses behind building the product. Mm-hmm. Uh, so definitely the IT buyer. And when you go to our smaller cohorts, whether it be for a unified communication solution or a contact center, it could easily be an office manager. It could be somebody running their telecom business, right? It could be a single person running everything. Um, so again, when we look at targeting those product portfolios really drive who that buying group is. Uh, so it, it is, you know, I hate to say it'd be great if it was one simple demand gen strategy. That'd be fantastic. But it's by, you know, buying group. And by the way, it's also by by vertical, mm-hmm. right? We know uh, industries like healthcare had a fundamentally change last year. And that's an entirely different buying group of looking at physicians, right? And how they're using telemedicine and how they're using these solutions. But primarily, I would say it's in your IT VP of developer up to your CIOs. And how do you organize your team? How do you like, what's your org structure look like for your marketing uh, team? Is it pretty, pretty standard with, uh, you know, a standard marketing org or, or do you do stuff different? I think we just shifted our model. I sort of say what I lead from the front, right? So I, I definitely have, even though we have separate portfolio groups, uh, and you can do it by, uh, if you have a general manager, right, you could have small sort of tiger teams in between. Ours are really around centers of excellence, right? So there's a communications group that covers the waterfront. Your demand gen team, Ian, it covers it all. While you may have product marketing, right? But we still have marketing uh, experts, product marketing experts for each product. But I've put them into centers of excellence because I really do believe our particular portfolio, when you look at our strategy, is all of those communication solutions are stringed together. It's where the market's moving. So I sort of got us out of a very specific, you only do field marketing for this or only DG for this to try to look at it in a more holistic way. Because I do believe that drives scale. I do believe that drives efficiency. And we're about the size of a company, 2,500, 2,800 people, where you're at that tipping point where you you could break it up by very specific product. But today I think those uh, centers of excellence for communications, product, Content marketing, creative, web, having them in each very specific group as a center of excellence helps drive scale for us. Yeah, that's so interesting. Do you think that having the center of excellence, is that like, a, you know, how marketing is going to be done in the future? Or is that something like, you know, that you feel comfortable with advantage because of the way that you all go to market? Or do you think that that's something that broader, like other CMOs should, should look at? Yeah, it's interesting. And I really do think it, it's size of organization for sure. Many times you'll see your corporate marketing, your corporate comms, your corporate web at the top that scales, right? And then you pull your product marketing down into the particular product lines. Very common. I think that's a super smart strategy for very large organizations because you've got to be close to the business. 
right? Your product folks get everything, but you still have your, your corporate functions. For a company of our size, maybe even up to five, 6,000, 8,000 folks. For me, uh, I love to see center of, of excellence because you don't have the luxury of thousands of staff members, right? You don't have that luxury to be a specialist. So you do have to have folks being able to, to straddle the fence, whether it be on products or skill sets. And by the way, I think it makes it more interesting for team members. Uh, some people love just being specialized, but for us, you have the ability to, to span across products and groups. Yeah, that makes sense. Very cool. Um, okay, let's get to our next segment. One of our favorite segments here, the playbook. This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. This is where you open up that playbook and talk about the tactics that help you win. What are three channels or tactics that are your most uncuttable budget items? My team will cringe if I say anything's cuttable. So I'm going to say just what's uncuttable. For us, I really do think paid search is incredibly important. The world is searching, constantly searching, right? So I think paid search is, is enormously important, particularly for our API business. I also think paid social is up there. We did a great study last year, we're doing another one this year, of how customers prefer to reach you, how customers prefer to interact with you. And interestingly, Ian, people still love phone. Video was definitely a fast follower. But social media was absolutely on the rise, particularly in 2020 after COVID. They wanted to interact in social channels as opposed to your tradition. Obviously, you, can't, you couldn't walk in the door anymore, right? So for us, paid social, I think, is always a lever that we're going to continue with. Uh, and then I also think display for us. That doesn't mean I'd cut everything else. It just means for us today, I think those are the big, big channels that we're going to want to, I, I, would, I would consider uncuttable. You know, that's interesting that, that you would say kind of those three digital channels, because those all are potentially lower funnel type activities, right? I mean, if you're clicking on a display ad or a social ad, and then obviously for any type of SEO or SEM, you're talking about lower funnel stuff. So I'm curious, like, are you, you know, with those type of campaigns, are you running, you know, lots of very specific ads for very specific problems within kind of like your, your skill sets there? Like, how, how are you thinking about advertising uh, those type of solutions? Yeah, and, and, and I'll talk broadly because, again, each product portfolio is slightly different. Of course. But when you look at our API business, for example, the answer is, is yes, and it's, three, it's a three-way yes. Because it's a complicated product, uh, you have developers that are looking for a video API to solve a particular use case, right? So yes, but we generally will talk more about it in terms of use case, right? That's really important to folks of how you can take that and create something. And secondly, it's two ways and then by vertical, right? These vertical markets have such a specific need, particularly now, if you think of financial services, you think of healthcare, they had to fundamentally change their business model, Yeah. right? Last year to survive, right? Uh, if you think of restaurants or, or a takeout, right? A whole new world, everybody, you can now pull up and get a text message that you're here, right? That you never had that before. So, you know, for us, again, because of the, um, the industry that we're in, these are, I think, highly sought after products, which in which I believe, by the way, I know there's a lot of return to work and things opening up, which is fantastic. But I do not believe in my core that those kinds of interactions that these uh, different businesses have built, telemedicine is not going to go away. 
I believe that 1000%. I think people are going to view this as a luxury to be able to have a telemedicine. We're far more comfortable with it, right, to do that than to walk into the office or get a text message that your order is ready. So for us, we can have very specific use cases that are entirely compelling. So that's why I think it's such an important piece for us. And then the search, uh, the paid search part of it is, look, that's just table stakes, right? It's just, I think table stakes for anybody. And, it, and it's, and it's, gets more compli- more complicated every year, Ian, like when it first started to then where you rank and do you do conquesting and all of that. I mean, it, there's an art and science to that too. Yeah. I mean, there definitely is. And, you know, it's interesting that you say that kind of in this, uh, in this kind of current age that it's just people are searching for these solutions. You know, we talk a lot about digital transformation, like broadly as we're social marketers, because we are the ones always talking about digital transformation for our customers. But this idea that there's this moment in time where someone is out there, you know, someone in, uh, you know, education or healthcare that is searching for United Communications or searching for contact center or searching for a communication API, something like that, where they're looking for these things. And then I'd imagine, you know, they stumble across some of your stuff and, and they're being retargeted and they're being reminded of, of the amazing stuff that Vonage has to offer. Are there any um, in-person stuff has, has obviously decreased a ton. Are there any type of like non-digital activities that you think about and invest in or are you just primarily going with digital channels? No, I mean, again, I think everybody had to go digital, but, you know, I'm knocking on wood here. We have a couple of live events coming up in the fall. Day to day, nobody knows if it's going to actually happen, right? They're third-party events. But those, you know, particularly in a contact center world, those were really, really meaningful events in that space. It's a more complicated cell. People wanted to sit and touch and talk and try. And you could definitely see impacts in that space when you had to go fully digital. Uh, there is something to, to that, that tangible experience. So events definitely, if they are, if they are online, 1,000%, we will pivot and get back in person. It's certainly, uh, these events are not going to be attended. Certainly. I think maybe you'll find half attendance, but I think that is going to be, um, and I think, uh, a couple of events that just happened when you see the feedback from folks, they said, you know what, there were a lot fewer attendees coming, but the conversations were more meaningful because it was the folks that really, really wanted to be there to find a solution. So, uh, we have our first two in September. We'll see. So I am all in on live events. A thousand percent. And also, I do think it's interesting, the notion of a home mailing, right? That was a taboo sort of thing, unless you were B2C, you know, we're B2B. You definitely see that picking up as well, because you got, again, you got to reach the buyer where they are, and they just happen to be at home right now. Do you feel like your marketing efforts towards developers has to be like a totally different type of strategy and approach? Because I know from a lot of the folks that I've worked with, uh, marketing to developers is, is a tricky, tricky task. Yeah, you have to. When you say developers, you can't use this, the word marketing, right, in the same sentence. Yeah, because that, exactly I think, right. I think that, that's fair um, because it, it's about it's about awareness. It's about engagement. It's about understanding their pain points. It's helping them build. It's helping them solve and helping them do that that quickly. And we have an, an entire uh, separate developer relations uh, team that sits over in our in our product team. That's so incredibly important. But I, but I, here's what I appreciate about that group. They're very smart. They appreciate a lot of humor and a lot of wit. You know, one of our most successful campaigns that we ran was actually sort of a Reddit takeover, uh, which is where a lot of our developers, a lot of developers live. And they really appreciate interesting humor. Uh, you can present yourself that way. Uh, it doesn't have to be, you know, fully buttoned up. They have lots of questions and they're certainly not shy. 
which is also great in terms of feedback. And actually that that takeover that we did, I think was so successful. I read it ended up doing, I think it was last year, a case study on us about, you know, how that worked. But it was so I mean, so I try to think about it less of marketing, you're spot on Ian, but more about engaging. They want you to know that you understand them, appreciate them, and are trying there to help them solve a problem. Yeah, that's really fascinating. I love Reddit, by the way. Like Reddit, uh, I'm not on Reddit a ton, but I love Reddit, Reddit marketing. Reddit and Quora, I think, are two really under-invested in channels. I think that they're really cool. I mean, people are going there to talk about certain things and you can advertise there. And they're still pretty early days. But uh, but no, that's really cool. I love that because, you know, I think my, my concern is, you know, if you're running a bunch of, not you, but if one is running a bunch of display ads at at developers and that's their only channel and there's no real engagement strategy that you're just not going to have the type of conversations that they want to be having and, and, and solving those things. But in order to capture uh, or create the value, you kind of have to, you know, do some stuff that might be out of your comfort zone, especially if your team of marketers is not developers, right? It's like a, it is definitely an ecosystem that most marketers are not in. So it is something totally different. Yeah, and it's the partnership, right? Because for us, we, we consider it a super close partnership with our developer relations group, right? And they have their different hackathons and things like that. But uh, but they'll, they'll leverage the knowledge, the experience uh, from the marketing team who knows demand gen, who knows how to connect, who knows how to take people through a journey, right? Because if they're engaging with a great developer community, we obviously want to keep them engaged, right? So I think it's, it's a beautiful partnership, with that group uh, that we've uh, really, pretty, I think, formed pretty strongly uh, this year. So uh, look forward to that. But it, it is a, it's an essential community for us. I'm not going to say target market because it's a community, right? You got to view it as a community yeah. rather than a, a target market. Do you have one thing that uh, we won't say it's cuttable, but maybe is something that you're, you're not going to invest quite as much in uh, in the coming years? Oh, let's see. You know, here's the thing. I would have, you know, I would have said, who would have thought people would be sending packages to people's houses, you know, a year ago? Like, that was ridiculous to put something in a mail and put a stamp on it. And now that's come back round, right? It's like, you know, your, your, your fashion faux pas of years ago and now coming back, coming back round. It's all, it's all a cycle. Um, so I, I do think, though, as we become uh, more and more online, I do think the, you know, the at-home mailings that people have invested a lot in will probably uh, decline a bit because you can reach them uh, other ways. But, you know, but on, on the other side of the coin, the other place that, that I'll continue to invest, and I think many have, and uh, some people were hit to cut it, when you think about brand, because I know many people view it as, here's brand, here's your brand investment over here, as I said earlier, right? Here's your DG investment, right? They are two separate investments. That's wrong. There is definitely a Venn diagram. There's definitely a blur, blurred line. Is your brand meant to drive top of funnel? Not really, but sort of, right? Because I think for me, when you look at ex, it's an exposure point, it's an education point, right? It's an engagement point. Is the point to drive them for a conversion? No, but should it marry with your DG efforts and give it lift? 1000% yes. So I know some people are pure saying, no, no, you can't even think of brand and DG in the same breath. Uh, I don't believe that. I don't think there's anything in marketing that shouldn't be in the same breath with DG, right? Because I do think they all give lift to each other. 
Do you have a favorite campaign that you've uh, run over the past uh, year or so? Well, the Reddit one was pretty cool, but uh, we have a new one. Literally, is going to launch in a couple of weeks. We change up our branding a bit. Uh, we had a really interesting, uh, quirky sort of out there brand launch in 2019, just before I got here. Uh, I'm going to refine that. I think COVID definitely influenced that, right? Of what people want to absorb. You have a whole bunch of competition in the digital space. Everybody is is digital. You know, and there was a great saying, I think it was Harvard Business Review article that said, you know, your greatest competition is not your traditional competitor. Your greatest competition was your customer's last great experience, right? Because that's what they expect now. It doesn't matter that it's your direct competition. This is the way of the world now, right? Everybody's trying to build those experiences, which is what we help our customers do. But we have a, a campaign that, that's going to be running. Uh, it's already started a little bit, but now all the, all the assets are coming uh, around Vonage does that. And, you know, part of the complexity, and they talked about, we have the suite of portfolio products, right? And then you have a company that's pivoted really only in the last five, six years to really be a B2B. So we have a wonderful legacy of Vonage. I mean, you probably knew Vonage as a film company. Am I right? So double-edged sword. Folks know your name. They don't know exactly what, where you're really playing, you know, in the space. And you're competing against digital natives who grew up in this particular space, right? So we're sort of pivoting there. So what we found in our branding was it was really cool. People loved it, particularly developers, because uh, there, there was a lot of humor in it. But at the end of the day, to really understand what we do, right, to help that brand awareness very directly. So our campaign is now starting around, this is my favorite, it's around Vonage does that. Uh, and they're, they're humorous. It's around, you know, telemedicine visits with your dog. Um, you do do that. Vonage does that. It's about tracking your package. Vonage does that. You know, it's about, you know, knowing when your pizza delivery is at the door via a text. Vonage does that. So it's very, I mean, I can't think of an interaction, honestly, in your daily life that we wouldn't be able to say Vonage can do that. Vonage does that. So I'm so excited about this campaign because it keeps the humor. I think that our, uh, and sort of fun and energy that our brand is, uh, but with a far more direct connection, right, to help explain what we do. I love that. That's cool. I'm really excited. That sounds fun. I'm sure you can't share all the details here. Do you have a, a rollout of where that's going to, where you're going to be pushing all that, uh, all that content? It'll be many places. No question. Uh, digital, they're working out that plan, you know, and then maybe phase two, one thing that we did a lot of before COVID or right, when COVID was out of home. Right. So again, mm-hmm. more brand than, than demand gen, mm-hmm. but that's something that that's a beautiful out of home campaign. Uh, when the, when the time is right, because it's straight to the point. It's interesting. It's a great use case, right? Uh, so I think you may see some out of home as well. I love it. Very cool. Very exciting. You know, and in prep for this, we we checked out the website and scooted around there. I I love the the brand design, the slickness of the website. It just you know the way that you know your solutions are are laid out there for the different things you were talking about. You can clearly tell you know how important industry vertical is and everything. So I, I'm curious. So first of all, kudos on the website. Second off, how do you view your website? So uh, the website actually. Uh, so the company rebranded back in October of 2019, right before I got here. And again. You know, every every webmaster's dream is to completely redo your red website from scratch, what they have the ability to do. Uh, new platform, you know, new brand, new navigation. Uh, it's a great thing for a 20-year-old company to be able to do that. So it's, for me, I view it as it's a gateway to who you are. It's your receptionist, right? The days of walking in a building, 
your website, you're walking in the building, right? It's can you get from A to A to B pretty quickly? You know, I believe, I know on websites, we used to talk a lot about, yeah, the older days of keep them on your website, dwell time, how many pages. And I do think, yep. right? Remember, it was all about how long they, totally. they don't let them leave, right? Um, and th- there's something to that. But I do think today's buyer is a little bit different. Uh, I do think, uh, you know, our society in general has, has a, a, an impatience factor. And you saw that accelerated with COVID because, you know, these are businesses that had to find ways to stay in business. Like there was no time to be messing around, right? They had to find a solve. They had to find a solution, particularly we were offering. So getting from A to B, I think, as quickly as possible, whether it be a contact me or a download of some sort, I do think people appreciate that. I don't know if folks have the luxury of time to continue to dwell on multiple sites, right? They jump on, see if something they're interested in is there. How did you, did you make it easy enough for them to get to the information? Did you make it easy enough to find whether it was a price point, whether it was a contact me? So I think the website was designed, you know, with that in mind to try to make it as easy as possible to get from A to B. And then the team, you know, 10 languages, you know, 20 languages. It's just because we are global. Right, the good and bad of global of being able to localize there too. So right now we're in 22 countries, nine languages, but it's all scalable platform. So, but in every language, same notion, same notion. It's the front door, right? You got to tell them who you are pretty quickly and digestibly. Uh, And then the team, I will say now, I think did a beautiful thing. It's because, as I talked about, you have that complexity of portfolio. Any company that has a complex portfolio, the personalization of the website, right? We all know intelligence and demand gen, intelligence and marketing is key, right? Whether it's machine learning or AI, but who's coming to my site and serving up content that we think is going to be compelling for you, right? Again, A to B as quickly as possible. You know, if we know you're a developer, we want to show you the APIs first, If you're coming out of a small business, we might show you a small business contact center first. And we're actually seeing the conversion rates uh, go up. We're actually seeing it's pretty clear. You know, it's almost a thank you for getting us to where we want it to go. So it's hugely important. It'll always be refined and tweaked. That's one of those projects that are never done, right? They can always be something something pretty cool on on a website. Uh, But the team has truly done a stellar job. Do you have a favorite, either not part of the website or like a, or something that is your, um, you know, most converted part or most checked out piece of content or something like that? I think it's always when we have um, one of our, we call it sort of our blockbuster content. So we had our uh, video report or we have our customer engagement report. Mm. Always super important because uh, everybody's trying to figure out, everybody has a customer. I don't care who yep. you are. Even if you're an internal person, you have a customer. Um, about how people want to be engaged with. So you see that kind of compelling information that has facts and data on a global scale, and then you slice that up by verticals, right? You slice it up by by type of company, uh, make it personal for them. That really, I think, is what folks are interested in. They are about education and engagement. So we, we really want to would try to serve up that blockbuster content that we think is going to be pretty compelling for folks to help them make good decisions. I love it. Um, it, it is funny how much work we spend on the, the blockbuster content <laughs> and you're like, I could, we could just, you know, we could spend 12 months just doing all the derivatives and all the different pieces of this and using it every different way. A, a thousand percent, right? Because look, at the end of the day, whether it's demand gen or any kind of marketing, the customer wants to know that you know them. 
Pepper wants to know that you understand their pain point. The small business wants to know that they're not going to, you know, just be pushed to the side, that you're going to take care of them. The enterprise customer wants to know that you have all the, the, uh, every part of a product, every feature set, every complicated permutation they want to do with the product, right? So that's what it's about. So I don't mind, I truly do not mind slicing and dicing content in any way, because at the end of the day, we're trying to make it as compelling as possible, as quickly as possible for folks that are trying to find a solution. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think that, you know, so much of our our time is spent trying to answer the the age old question, which is, what are my competitors doing? What are my peers doing? Like, you know, like so many of our customers are like, just, you know, between word of mouth or between review sites or between, you know, all that stuff like customer case studies or testimonials or different things like that. They're, they're all trying to figure out what everybody else is doing. They don't want to get left behind. They want to, you know, find all that stuff. So it really is so critical to be able to, you know, share what all of your customers are, are doing. Oh, a thousand percent. And really interesting that you mentioned, you know, review sites and things like that. Because we talk about demand gen and we all think about it as an engine, right? We think about it more so as a digital engine, right? Um, yeah. And again, it's a complicated digital engine. Anybody can bring in a lead, right? Anybody can give you volume, but it's about the, the right volume, right? That, that in there lies uh, the complexity. But let's look at the other side of the coin, Ian. That's the good stuff. But then you've got to look at the other side of the coin of what can damage your demand gen efforts, right? And what is it nowadays? It's credibility, right? Mm-hmm. Whether you're sitting on a magic quadrant or not, whether you're in a report or not, or whether you have bad reviews or not, or do you have enough customers uh, from a testimonial? So, you know, you've got to have the balance of it's like an offense and defense, right? You need the offense to get into the market, but you got to make sure all those other pieces are shored up. Um, and that takes effort. Those, you know, those customer references, the um, advocacy sites, right? We use G2. We have great ratings there. But that is you have to make sure you have care and feeding there because as much as you might bring in a lead, your reputation. So when I say, I mean, communications helps demand gen, thousand percent. Right. Your reputation and your brand is helping fuel your demand gen. So you've got to do the care and feeding for all those other areas that might just might be a drag on on your demand gen efforts. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. We just uh, had Amanda Melko, the CMO G2 on the show, and uh, she a fantastic episode for our listeners who haven't checked that episode out. But it was just I mean, G2 is such a phenomenal resource and it's something that like, it's just like anything, right? It's like being a restaurateur when, when Yelp came around and you're like, you can either be scared of it or you can lean into it. And it's like the people who lean into it are the ones who got the best results and the people who are, are scared of it, um, are the ones who, you know, probably disproportionately got a lot of, you know, negative reviews cause they never incentivized any of the, you know, positive reviews. Oh yeah. G2 is great. Um, and we, you know, but again, it's effort, it's engagement, right? Um, and you got to lean into it. You can't, you know, look, every company is going to have a negative comment of some sort in some way. It's the nature of the beast, right? Um, you know, B2C has it more so. Uh, but for us, you know, we lean into it because, hey, we're proud of our company. We're confident in our company. We're confident in our products. Uh, so we're okay to take the feedback. We're okay to take, uh, you know, if there's criticism um, or feedback that we may not like to hear, we're okay with that. Right. Because we're going to address it. And uh, the site like G2, I think it's balanced. I think it's fair. Right. And that's 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 what you want. So it's been great for us, but it takes time. It takes care. uh, And we're happy to do it. 
Okay, let's get to our final segment here. Quick hits. These are quick questions and quick answers. Just like conversational marketing with qualified, qualified prospects are on your website right now and you can talk to them quickly with qualified.com. Quick and easy, just like these questions, go to qualified.com to learn more. Quick hits. Joy, are you ready? I'm ready. (laughs) Number one, if you weren't in marketing, what do you think you'd be doing? Something in investigations. Ooh. Crime shows, back channel, love finding stuff out. I, I, maybe that's why I'm incredibly data-driven. Um, I'm obsessed with numbers, but I'm obsessed with, with finding, finding out stuff. So it would be something in investigations. Ever the curious uh, yeah. investigator. I love it. Um, if you were to come back on this show and we can bring one person from history to hang out with, who would it be? Alive or, or dead? It can be anyone. It can be alive or dead. Okay. One person. Uh, and, and, I, and, I, and I may have used him too because I really do find him fascinating. Um, I, I, would, I would bring Malcolm Gladwell along with me because, he, because here's a guy that Great. They, he finds such interesting angles. Maybe it's the mystery. Maybe it's that um, looking for answers. Right. But it's uncovering so much stuff. So I think his thinking is, is absolutely uh, astonishing. So it would be him. Do you have a favorite book or TV show or podcast that you've been checking out? Uh, let's see. Well, OK, I will say, you know, the guilty pleasure is in, in Netflix series. And if I can find a new one any day, I am guilty. I will go binge them because I do get hooked on it and I have to know what's next. So uh, if you have any great Netflix series, I'm, I'm all ears because I need a new one. Ah, geez. New Netflix series. Um, what did I watch? I, did you watch Lupin? Lupin was pretty fun. I did. That was fantastic. I love that. It's like a mystery, right? Brilliant thinker. I appreciate that. And I'm a new dad. So like <laughs> having this story about this guy and his son and everything, I'm like, I was so, I was so hooked. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got. That was the last, that was the last one I checked out. Um, good one. I'm usually good for at least one recommendation, but you, you already saw it. Uh, if we brought you back here one year from now, what do you think is the biggest thing that that's changed in marketing? The cookie-less world getting ready. Yeah. It's huge. Uh, it's huge. And preparing for that, you know, first-party data, how do you get it? Is it multi-touch attribution? I think everybody, again, this is one of those things, what's everybody else doing? Nobody's cracked the code, right? And we have to see how it plays out. I do think that's going to be pretty uh, significant and impactful. Uh, and I do hope when I come back here in a year, I'm going to be able to say, Ian, the last five events events we went to on site to see people's faces um, and feel safe and healthy uh, were extraordinarily successful. I hope that changes when I get back here in a year. Me too. I hope that we meet in person uh, in the next year and and we can have that conversation in uh, in real time because that would be uh, or in real life (laughs) in the real world. I love that. I would love that. What would be your best advice for a CMO trying to figure out their demand gen strategy? First time CMO. I'm going to say three simple words, customer, customer, customer. Look through their lens, right? It's very easy to, I think, and I still do it too. It's really not perfect. It's very easy to get caught up in what we think is brilliant, right? Or what you know, the team rallies around and get excited about. But I think you always got to step back and say, what does your customer really want? What do they need and where the heck are they? 
Um, I think it's, it's so easy when you're, you're in your job and just to get overwhelmed with all the stuff you got to get done. But that simple frame, I think, can really help clarify a strategy. And the other second piece I'm going to say is demand gen is one piece. Demand gen is one piece of demand gen, if that makes sense, right? There's an entire ecosystem that's going to rise the tide for you, right, or drag it down. So make sure you are good friends, right, with the rest of the marketing team, your product team, your sales team, uh, your DevRel team, right? It is a unified effort, 1,000%. I love it. Joy, it's been awesome having you on the show. Love chatting with you as always. For our listeners, you can go to Vonage.com to learn more. Um, you can pass that info on to your, your developer, which is always good. Um, a bunch of, uh, a bunch of cool stuff, uh, for marketers as well, especially if you're looking, looking at call centers and trying to figure that, that thing out. Any, uh, final thoughts, anything to plug? I'm, oh, I'm excited for Vonage does that, uh, campaign coming up and anything else? No. Hey, look, you know, I I think, uh, and not just for Vonage, you know, this is such an interesting time for us as mark marketers and as humans, right? Um, something we've never seen before connectivity is huge, right? Um, and while we all certainly crave to be in person, and I'm going to take that bet that we're going to see each other within the next 12 months. Um, Let's do it. I'm, I'm in. Absolutely. That look, we've got to stay connected, right? And that's, I, I feel really good about honored to lead Vonage because when I look at what we truly do in keeping employees connected, keeping businesses open, by finding new ways, right? That they can engage with customers, that they can engage uh, and drive their business or disrupt their business. I think that's a pretty darn cool thing. So a lot more to come from Vonage uh, this year and certainly next year. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Joy, as always, and take care. Thanks, Ian. ManGen Visionaries is brought to you by our friends at Qualified.com, a conversational marketing company that's on a mission to transform the way B2B companies sell. Go to Qualified.com to learn more.